This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hey man, this is a good place to be tonight, you know it? Good place to be on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, all the time. A good place to be with God's people where the presence of the Lord is, just loving Jesus, knowing Jesus loves us, and just hanging out with Him. Amen? Amen. Well, tonight we're going to be teaching on prayer, how to be a better prayer. But I want to show you something out of the bookstore. <clears throat> we got lots of good prayer books in the bookstore. But this one here is Seven Steps to Answer Prayer, Different Kinds of Prayer. And anyway... Most of these books, the bookstore on prayer, I've studied over the years. They've helped me in life, my Bible. And, uh, you know, if you're going to be a Christian, you might as well get answered prayer. You might as well know how to prayer. Amen. You know, I, I think about, I heard somebody talk years ago about, about, uh, people who don't know how to pray. It's like somebody doesn't know how to hunt. They take the wrong gun to go hunting with. If you want to zero in on something, you got to have some kind of a rifle with a scope on it so you can hit your target. But if you want to just shoot off from a distance, just get a big shotgun, just blast it, hope that something hits something somewhere. And too many Christians pray that way. Instead of being focused, being precise, having a target that they want to hit, and getting better at their praying all the time so they start hitting more and more targets, too many Christians just scattershot. And they don't know how to pray except the Jimmy prayer. And, you know, the Jimmy prayer... And you know, it's kind of something I heard a long time ago. I kind of joke about it. But too many Christians, hey God, my name's Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. Hey man, or, 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 or the O, uh, God, uh, bless mom and dad, bless the kids, bless us four, no more. And that's what most people pray. Bless us four and no more. They don't know how to pray effectively. So we're going to talk tonight about some things about how to pray effectively. And I want to start off looking at the book of Luke, because this scripture I was thinking about this morning. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Did I hear a little bit of excitement in the back somewhere? Amen. Why did we come to church tonight? We come to church tonight to know Jesus better. Amen. To draw closer to him and to be able to take his love to the people around us. And before you take his love, you've got to know his love. And you know his love through prayer, through the word of God. But Luke chapter 11, verse 1, says that it came to pass that as he was praying, how many know that Jesus was a man of prayer? He spent a lot of time in prayer. If we're followers of Christ, then we can learn how to pray off of Jesus' example. Amen? It says, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord Teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And you know, I think about being a pastor and a man of God that's walked with Jesus for a lot of years. I've learned a lot about prayer to spend a lot of time with Jesus. I've got a lot of answers to prayer over the last 40 years because I've learned how to pray better and better all the time from the Word of God. And so just as one of Jesus' disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, I know the heart's cry of this congregation and really of every born-again Christian is they want to be better prayers. Everybody wants to be better prayers. How many don't want to be a better prayer? Well, good. I've talked to the right crowd then. That's all of you. I knew you was in on it. And so 
We all want to be the most effective we can in our prayer life. And we want to get real results when we pray. That's what prayer is all about, to get results when we pray. We want answers. And, uh, you know, when I, when I think about prayer, what most Christians don't know is there's so many different kinds of prayer. You know, most people just know the prayer of asking the Father for something. That's called the prayer petition. That's just one kind of prayer. That's the prayer of asking God for something. But also, how many know that Jesus stopped at the Garden of Gethsemane on the way to the cross? And he wasn't asking for something. That was a prayer committal. He said, Lord, if there's any other way to do this, he said, I'd like you to do it. But if there's no other way, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. He said, Lord, I'm going to commit myself into your hands that I'll walk this road if you want me to. But if there's any other way, he was making a prayer of commitment to commit his heart to the Father for the Father's will to be done. But see, that's one kind of prayer. He said, not my will, but thy will be done. But then when it came time to raise Lazarus from the dead, he didn't say, not my will, but thy will be done. He said, Lazarus, come forth. He took authority over things. He talks, the Bible talks about the prayer of faith. James 5, 14, 15 talks about the prayer of faith. Well, the prayer of faith is the prayer that changes things. That's a prayer of authority. You don't say, not my will be done, because God tells us in his word what his will is. So the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith, you speak to the mountain, and the mountain's removed. It cast to the sea. There's no doubt in that. There's no if in that. That's a different prayer. And then Matthew 18, 19, Jesus told us about the prayer of agreement. That's the prayer where you have somebody else with you that's in agreement, that you have the same heart, the same desire, the same thing you want God to do, except you get some help in your prayer life from a fellow believer. They said, if any two on earth shall agree, as touching anything be done by our Father in heaven. And then Matthew 18, 18 is the prayer of binding and loosening. The prayer of binding and loosening, Jesus said, what you bind on earth must be what's already bound in heaven. What you loose on earth must be already loosed in heaven. That's when sometimes you have to bind the devil in the name of Jesus from assaults on your loved ones. You have to bind the devil in the name of Jesus sometimes. That's a different kind of prayer. And then we got the prayer of worship. And that's sometimes when we're just to open our hearts up to the Lord. Maybe we're on our knees. But whatever our, whatever our physical position is, doesn't matter. It's our heart condition. And when we just open up our hearts and say, Father, I don't want anything. I just want to worship you. I want to worship you because you're good. Jesus, I want to worship you. I just want to praise you, Jesus. I just want to love you. I want to worship you. That's not asking for anything. That's not binding anything. That's just coming into the presence of God just to worship God. And so there's many different kinds of prayers. So to be effective prayers, we need to start learning the Word of God. To know what kind of prayer to use at what time. And as we learn more and more about prayer... Prayer will become just as easy as riding a horse, if you're a horse rider. How many ever tried to ride a horse and uh, you didn't do too good your first time or two or three or four, et cetera? I'm not going to tell my horse story tonight. This is too serious tonight, so I won't tell my horse story, Mom, so don't, it's not coming. But uh, anyway, like, I'm thinking about riding a bicycle. How many can remember when they were young, first time you rode a bicycle? It was kind of tough, and you fell off a few times and got bumped up a little bit. Well, the more you did it, the better you got. And then once once you ever learned to ride a bike, even at my age, I can still get on a bike and ride a bike. Maybe not as fast as I used to, but I can still ride it. 
But the thing is, that's about prayer. Once you learn the mechanics of prayer, once you learn how to get in the prayer zone, then you'll become an effective prayer. As long as you stay walk with Jesus, you'll be able to be a good prayer. All the days of your life, you'll get answers. But I want you to turn to John chapter 15, verse 7 and verse 8. John chapter 15, verse 7 and verse 8. And no matter what kind of prayer it is, John 15, verse 7 and 8, tells you the common denominator for all praying. For prayer to be effective, John 15, verse 7 and 8, has to be a key ingredient. Jesus said this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, in other words, if you're living in Jesus, if you're born again, and Jesus is in you, you've committed your life to Jesus, that means you're living in Jesus. It says then, it says, you shall ask what you will, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Here it is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. And so look at that verse there. Jesus said that when you're praying the word, you're going to get answers. And if you get answers, he calls that fruit. And so in other words, answered prayer, according to Jesus, is prayer fruit. Amen? He said, when you ask what you will, and you get answers, he said, that's fruit. And said, my Father's glorified when you get much fruit. And so in context of these verses, that's saying my father gets glorified when you get much answers. How many know it's the will of God for you to get answers when you pray? And he said, the more answers you get, the more glory that God gets. But look at that verse there. Look at it again. Verse uh, 7. He says, if you abide in me, you shall ask what you will shall be done unto you. I left a phrase out because he didn't say that. If all it took was to be born again, ask what you will, and it was done unto you, everybody get every answer they ever prayed. But he said, well, my words are living in you. My words are in your praying. In other words, when you, the more Bible you have in your heart, in your thinking that you pray, then the more answers you get. That'd be so simple if Jesus would just say, well, get born again, ask what you want, and it's done to you. That means that everybody in the whole world that ever says a prayer of salvation would never, ever, ever have a denied prayer again. But then he gave us the key ingredient, the common denominator. He said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Jesus told us right there the number one ingredient to answered prayer. It's the word of God being an active battle of your part vital part of your life. If you abide in me, and then in the Greek it actually says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, in the Greek it says, have their place in your conduct. If my words have their place in your everyday life. If my words have their place in your everyday conversation. In other words, the more we get our heart filled up with God's word and our mind renewed to where we think more in line with God's word, then the more we're going to speak in line with God's word. Amen. Amen. He says, have their place in your conduct. So that, that means that we, all the things that the Bible teaches about our mouth and the words out of our mouth, all the things we teach in our church about the words out of our mouth, 
we've got to start getting the grip on the lip. We've got to start getting the tongue under control. Our tongue has to start speaking alive with God's word if we want greater answers in our prayer life. Jesus said it. He said, if my words abide in you, ask what you will. And so the common denominator for every one of those prayers I talked about, the common denominator for the prayer of faith is praying the word of God. The common denominator for the prayer of agreement is two people agreeing based upon the word of God. The common denominator for the prayer of binding and loosen is binding things that the Bible says he doesn't want going on in your life or in your city. And loosening things to be loosed, etc., etc. So the more, the more that God's word lives at us, the more we're going to be speaking God's word. And the easier it's going to be when we're praying, we're going to be praying God's word. Okay, you see what I'm saying? We're, t- we're talking about answered prayer. I like answered prayer. When I pray things, as a matter of fact, in that, in that John 15, 7 there, when he says, it shall be done unto you, the little Greek in that says, it shall leap into being and become a fact. Said, but my words have their place in your conduct. Ask what you will, and shall leap into being and become a fact. Leap into being and become a fact. I sure enjoyed it two years ago, after I got diagnosed with cancer, with a few treatments, and they stopped treatments, and I believe that by Jesus' stripes I was healed. And then just a few months down the road, the doctor said, there's nothing there, your blood's whole. That leaped into being and become a fact. And then in the midst of that thing, when I had a heart attack with 99% blockage, and two weeks later, the doctor said, there's no damage. Your heart's healthy. It leaped into being become a fact. I stuck with the Word of God through all I went through, said what God's Word said, prayed what God's Word prayed, and didn't let anybody pray for me that didn't know how to pray God's Word. I had a lot of preachers over the course of that thing I went through wanted to pray for me. I wasn't disrespectful. I just said, no, I don't need your prayer. I've already been prayed for. Thank you. You know, just rejoice, just rejoice with me that 2,000 years ago, Jesus took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses according to Matthew 8, 17. He already did it. I just enforced the Satan's defeat. Amen. In the name of Jesus. And I'm, I'm, talk, I'm talking about prayer fruit. I'm talking about answered prayer, being able to get your prayers answered. So Jesus said, Jesus said, it's the will of the Father. It's the will of the Father that we bear much fruit. And when I think about praying and the different kinds of prayer, I've always thought, you know, I, I don't know how if women today, they might be more mechanical than they used to be, but I've always thought of prayer like a tool belt. Has anybody ever seen a carpenter or electrician got the big belt? And inside the belt, you got screwdrivers, you got hammers, you got pliers, you got screws, nails, all kinds of different things in there in the tool belt, all kinds of tools. And so the prayer of faith is different than the prayer of commitment. And so you don't pray the prayer of commitment when you need to change things. You pray the prayer of faith. And so a plier, a pair of pliers, I know there's some, some shade tree mechanics of people that I've known over the years that a pair of pliers at a, at a hammer don't fix it, it can't be fixed. They don't use the screwdriver. They use the hammer. And they use the hammer for everything. They just hit on it, they beat on it, pull out some belling wire, some gray tape, tape something up and hit up the hammer. If that don't fix it. But in that tool belt also, modern tool belts, they got a little old electronic thing with two probes. At these modern things, you don't hit on everything. You take an electrobe out, put it on one side, put one on the other side, and see what the amperage is, see what the current is. 
Back in the old days, that worked just hitting on something. Yeah, Jesse got his right there. And you know how to use it, Jess. That's the main thing. Know how to use it. Do you use your hammer more than you do that? <laughs> Amen. And so, so listen to what I'm saying. It's one thing to know about tools. It's another thing to know which tool to use for which job. Sometimes you need a Phillips screwdriver. Sometimes you need an Allen wrench. Sometimes you need a flathead screwdriver. And there are sometimes you need a sledgehammer. But you gotta know which tool for which job at which time. And the more you know about praying, and you know, sometimes, 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 when you don't know what else to pray, it's time for the prayer of worship. You just get on your knees and you say, Lord, I don't know what to pray, but I know you're good. And all I want to do is just want to tell you, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I want to thank you that you're here. I want to thank you that you died for my sins. Jesus, I want to thank you that oh, heaven's real. I want to thank you, Jesus. I know that someday I'll get to see you. But right now, I'm down here on earth. And as long as I'm on earth, Jesus, I want to thank you for your goodness and mercy. I just want to worship you. Because I don't know what else to pray. That's that's the prayer you pray at a time like that. But then, you know, there's other times when it's not the prayer of worship. you got to take authority over the devil. you got to pull that out. you got to pull that tool out of Matthew 18 18 say, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You're not bringing your stuff into my family. You're not bringing it into my house. I bind that addiction out of here in Jesus' name. I, I, I bind that depression out of here. Sickness and disease, get out of here in the name of Jesus. That's not the time for the tool called worship. That's the time of taking authority over the devil. And then there's also a prayer of dedication, of dedicating your tithes unto the Lord. There's a time when you bring your tithes to the altar. As you put it in there, you say, Lord, I, I, I dedicate this to you. This is 10%. You've blessed me. And as I bring this to you, Lord, I dedicate this to you for your glory, Lord. Thank you for receiving my tithe. Thank you, Jesus. You're the Lord over the tithe. And you said, I'm saying you got to know what tool to use at what time. You don't take your tithe, tithe up the altar and say, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name. Take your tithe up there and say, Jesus, I love you. And I thank you for blessing me. I just want to thank you, Lord. I love you. You're good. Your mercy endures forever. You got to know which prayer to pull out at which time, but the tool belt that holds it all together is called, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. That's the tool belt that holds all the prayers together, calls all the prayers to work, is God's word getting off the pages of the Bible and more than just listening to YouTube sermons, more than just listening to YouTube sermons. Amen. Amen. It's good to listen to. I listen to them nearly every day. But also, I have time with my Bible open. I have a journal. I've kept a journal for years. And I got, I got cases of journals I've written for the last 40 years of prayer things, of things God talks to me about, of personal things. I write my journals. But every day, I start my time. I've got my journal open. And I write things in there. And I say, Father, I just want to thank you today for time with you. I write verses down. And uh, matter, matter of fact, I, I told you at the start of the year, I started doing what I started doing 40 years ago. I'm writing stuff on three by five cards again. I'm writing verses down again. Verses I've known, verses I'm learning now. And I get those verses off the Bible into my heart, into my thinking, coming out of my mouth. And that's called God's Word living in me. God's Word abiding in me. That's the common denominator that gets prayers answered, is the Bible's got to come become more than just a good book. It's a very good book, but it's more than a good book. It's called the 
holy written word of God. Jesus is the living word of God. And the Bible, the written word of God, is given to us by God our Father to reveal to us the living word, Jesus. Jesus is a living word, but the written word causes Jesus to come alive to us as we read about him and the things he has to say. Has this helped anybody? Amen. And we're, talk, we're talking about how to pray effectively, how to be a better prayer. This is back to basics. And so anyway, I want you to look at 1 John 5, 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15. 1 John, this is the epistle, not the gospel. First John 5, verse 14 and 15 says this, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. How many believe that the written word of God is the written will of God? God's word is God's will. And so we can read that this way. If we ask anything according to his word, he heareth us. He doesn't hear the prayer of doubt and unbelief. He doesn't hear the prayer of murmuring, whining, complaining about everything. He hears prayers where you're praying his word. You're speaking his word. And so he says, we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And then verse 15 says, and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, how do we know that he hears us? Because we pray his word. He said, if you're praying according to the, the will, the word, that he's hearing us. And so that, and if we know that he hears us, I want to say it again. How do we know that he's hearing us? Because we're praying his word. We're just praying his word, he hears us. So he says, whatsoever we ask, then we know that we have the to protest, to petitions that we desired of him. He says, when you're praying the word, you've got God's attention. And then he says, because you've got his attention, because you're praying the word, that you know what you have, but you desired of him. I like what I heard a man say years ago. It's always stuck with me. Every time I get a new Bible, I always write it by this verse right here. He said, prayer should be God looking down from heaven instead of a mirror reflecting his word back up at him. Prayer should be God looking down from heaven. As said, a mirror reflect his word back up at him. God looks down, sees the word coming back up. He sees his word coming back up from earth back to him. Look at Isaiah chapter 55. And I'll show you how this works. Isaiah chapter 55. If, if, if we can train the body of Christ to be effective prayers, we can change families quickly. We could change cities. We could change our nation if the Christians of America would learn to pray and start praying the Word of God. That would change so many things. You know, I, I think about so many, so many, so many Christians, too many Christians are whiners. They're whiners. You know, I, I've actually heard Christians come to me before crying and wanting prayer. I talk about it ain't fair, it ain't fair, it ain't fair. It's just not fair, it's not right, it's not fair, it's not right. You're right. Nothing much in this life is fair. 
nothing much is right because according to John 10, 10, the devil's a thief and he comes to steal, kill, destroy. Jesus said, I come to make that right. He said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The devil's a thief. And so the whole thing is, God sent Jesus to make things right, but we as believers have to take the name of Jesus and the word of God and take authority over what's not right. And while we're doing that all the time, we have to be loving people. We have to be loving God. See, something that too many believers don't realize, and Satan sucks them right into his traps, in 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, Satan, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, but whom resists steadfast in the faith, are the ones that overcome those attacks. Satan will use people to bring trouble to you. Satan will use circumstances to bring trouble to you. And when those things happen, instead of getting mad, getting bitter, getting upset at some rotten boss, or if you're the boss, getting upset with some dumb employee, or whatever the situation may be, if you get upset with people, then Satan's strategy has worked. You don't get upset with people. You get upset about the devil. But you don't get in the, you don't get in the flesh. I know that when our kids were all younger, and uh, I'm sure kids are saved today. With you know they know enough about spiritual things, say, well, 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 I'm going to shoot the devil if I get a gun. Well, I'm going to hurt the devil. The devil loves people who are that stupid. But when you say Satan in the name of Jesus, I break your power over my son. I break your power over my job. I bind you in Jesus' name. And people show up inspired by the devil to give you trouble. And when you bind the devil, just smile at them and don't retaliate. Just say, I love you. And then, you know, sometimes you say, I'm praying for you. But if you say, the religious spirit, well, I'm praying for you. Well, you're not praying for them. The devil got a hold of you. And now you and them are both down there walling around the devil and you're both going down. You don't, read, you, don't, you don't win in a mud wrestling match with the devil. you got to know how to pray. Do you hear what I'm telling you? I'm telling you right now, this whining stuff about how unfair things are, do not get God's attention. What get God's attention is, Father, I want to thank you that I know you're good all the time. Lord, I know, I know in this situation I'm facing, Satan wants me to think that you're behind the trouble. He wants me to think that these people are my problem. But, Father, I know you told me that your loving kindness and your mercy are good forever and ever and ever and ever. And you told me that I'd love my neighbor as I love myself. You told me I love you first and love my neighbor as I love myself. And so, Lord, I choose through this situation to look through the eyes of love. I choose to look through the eyes of your word. And, Lord, I'm not going to get upset with people. I'm going to keep this in the faith arena. I'm going to love you, I'm going to worship you, I'm going to adore you. And Lord, I know, see right now you're hearing my heart, how I pray, how I talk to the Lord. Lord, I know that heaven's real, I know that hell's real, I know eternity's forever. And Lord, just like when you were on the cross, and those people were killing you, and you said, Father, forgive them for knowing not what they do. Lord, these people do the way they're living. And how they're attacking right, right living people. 
and people that love you, if they knew what was really going on, they wouldn't do that. So, Lord, I know they're blinded by the devil. And I just want to thank you, Jesus. I'm not getting into that trap because I don't want them to go to hell. I want them to go to heaven. So, Jesus, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm going to treat them with the love of God. And, Lord, I just want to thank you no matter what goes on. I'm going to keep looking up to you. I'm going to keep loving you. And, Lord, you said, let my light so shine before men. If they see my good works, the glory of my Father, which is in heaven. So, Lord, I'm going to let them see your goodness through me, and I'm just going to keep on loving them. And see, right there, if you'll notice, the things I was saying was the word of God's in my heart. And so right then, although I'm preaching, I was praying how I pray. I was praying God's word. Everything I said there was God's word because his word abides in me. And by the way, if you want to know that scripture about the good works, that's Matthew 5.16. If you need to see that verse for yourself, that's Matthew 5.16, about your good works. Back to Isaiah 55, verse 8. I want you to see this verse 8 through 11, and I want to see, I want you to see how this works in the spiritual realm of reflecting God's word back up to him when you pray the word. He said in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Well, I want you to notice He didn't say that your thoughts couldn't be his thoughts. But a person that doesn't read their Bible much, that doesn't have much of the Bible they're thinking, then your thoughts are not going to be God's thoughts. Even if you're a born-again Christian, if you haven't renewed your mind to the Word of God, you're still going to think dumb things like, I don't get mad, I get even. Anybody ever heard that expression? I don't get mad, I get even. That's not God's thoughts. Jesus said, forgive if you want to be forgiven. He said, but the measure you use to forgive is the measure of forgiveness you'll receive. That's God's thoughts. God's thoughts are not, I can't afford to tithe. God's thoughts are, bring the tithe into the storehouse. You understand what I'm saying? See, God's thoughts are recorded in God's word. And so the more that we get God's word in our thinking, the more our thoughts become in line and agreement with God's words. It says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so he's giving you an example how heaven is way up above the earth, and his ways are way higher. But when we begin to walk in life the word of God, we're walking in God's ways. You know, I'll just give you another example. In Mark chapter 16. How did Jesus say believers are to deal with sickness? He said, lay hands on the sick. In my name, they shall recover. Well, back when I got diagnosed with that serious cancer, the ways of the world is just mad. Take all the treatment, all the everything you get like that. That's, that's, that's that way, which is a good way to right way. But God said, I've got a higher way. He said, get hands laid on you, anointed with all in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And so that's one way. But then God's way said, I've got a higher way. And so, because I was under such an attack, I went the one way, but I took the higher way first. I got the anointing, I got the prayer first of all. That's God's ways. And see, that's totally contrary to what natural human reasoning would say. Natural human reasoning, basically, Christians that don't know much about divine healing or God's word, and the world knows nothing about it, their whole thing is cancer, 70%. Wow, you better start making plans. You better get your family together. You better make some plans. That's how the world thinks. God says, through Jesus, Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18, 
lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, and they shall recover. That's God's ways. He said, my ways are higher than your ways. How, how many would much rather have God's ways? Amen. Well, that's what we're talking about tonight. So let's continue looking at this, Isaiah 55. So he says that, that heavens are higher than the earth, so is God's ways than our ways. And then look at verse 10. He explains this. And listen real closely, and you're going to understand how praying the Word of God works, because he said, if His words abide in you, ask what you will to study unto you. He said, he said that when God's Word is in your heart, coming out of your mouth, coming back up to heaven, said you have the petitions you desired. He says in verse 10, For as the rain cometh down as snow from heaven. Okay, get that picture. The Bible paints pictures. Does everybody know, and you do, I just asked you to make you think. Does everybody know what it looks like when rain comes down? Does everybody know what it looks like when snow comes down? It's not a sunny day. It's not a cloudy day. When rain's coming down, you see the rain coming down. So he's telling you how this works, how his word, how his ways work. He said the rain comes down and the snow comes down. And then he says this, and returns not thither, or it doesn't return empty without doing something, but it waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud. It waters the earth and brings forth and bud. That's called fruit. Remember Jesus talking about prayer fruit? He said when the rain comes down, the snow comes down, it waters the earth, brings forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And everybody knows that the vegetables, the crops, the things we get, if they have no water, you get no crop. you got to have water to get crop. The farmer puts seed in the ground, and then when the water or the snow comes down, then the seeds open up. Crops come up. He said that's what happens when the rain comes down, the snow comes down. He said it doesn't come back about doing anything. And even out here in the desert, we know out here in the desert, we haven't seen a whole lot of rain and snow since I've been here 15 years. But I have noticed that the times we have decent rain, the whole desert lights up with flowers. Stuff is everywhere. Flowers come up. That's because God created the system that when rain comes down, whatever's planted is going to come up. So he's given us, he's given us a spiritual picture here. So keep looking at this. And then he says that it gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That's where the food comes from, more seed to sow. And then he said, that's how it is in the natural world. Here's how it is in the spiritual world. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to be void. And my center column says the Hebrew for that phrase is this. It shall not return unto me empty without bearing fruit. So shall my word be that go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or fruitless, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall accomplish that which I please and shall prosper in a thing where I send it. So God tells you what he wants his word to do. So get this picture now. Get this picture now. You can see rain come down, snow come down, crops come up. Okay. The Bible tells us that these words of the Bible written by holy men of God as the Holy Spirit put in their heart things to write. You got that? So God spoke and men wrote. 
And now, here we are in the 21st century California, we're reading words that came down from heaven. They came down from heaven, and has anybody ever seen a seed packet at the store? Flowers or anything else? You get the little packets, they used to cost a nickel, but I know they're a lot more than a nickel now, man. They probably cost $20 or something stupid. Oh, I don't like modern prices, but God supplies all of our need. But anyway, those seed packets, those seed packets are like your Bible. Jesus called the Word of God, God's seed. Your Bible's a seed packet. Holy men of God wrote down words that God said, and then God told us, through Jesus, if my words abided you. So we open our seed packet, which is to open our Bible, open our hearts, submit our will, and say, Lord, when I read the Bible, I'm going to take it as you talking to me. I receive your word into my heart. And so as that word that came down from heaven gets in our heart, and then Jesus said, if your words abide in us, ask what we will, so then we send them back up to heaven. The rain comes down, waters the earth, plants come up, and we get blessed out of that seed and food. As the word comes down and written on the Bible pages, we get them off those pages into our heart, and we send the word back up. He said, it shall not return void. It'll accomplish that which I please. Jesus called it prayer fruit. That's why he said, so shall my word be. The word of God comes down from heaven gets on the Bible through preachers preaching it, through you studying it, however however you choose to get the Word off those pages, live it in your heart, and part of your thinking, that God said, it'll accomplish that which I please. That's why we pray the Word. God gave us such a beautiful spiritual example. The desert's laying there barren till water hits it. Your life is barren till you and the Holy Spirit get together and cause that word to come alive and come out of your mouth. I, I want to show you a couple ways to pray the word. I've talked about some scriptures, but I, I want to show you, for example, in the area of healing. Look at Matthew chapter 8. I quoted this a few minutes ago. And I'll show you, for example, if you were praying about healing for yourself, or for a loved one. Matthew chapter 8. And this, this is a regular part of my prayer life if I need it. Matthew 8 verse 17. And if you're a person that wants to live in more and more healing, spend less money at the doctor's, Etc. You need to learn prayers, words like this to be able to pray like this. Verse 17 says that it might be fulfilled was spoken by Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And so 2,000 years ago at Calvary, Jesus took our sins. He took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That's past tense. We don't have to try Jesus. We don't have to try to get Jesus to do something. It says he already did it. 
But we didn't know what to do about it ourselves to receive it. So it says he took our infirmities to bear our sicknesses. And look at 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24. And these things I'm teaching you, I've proven in my life over and over again for 40 years for myself, for my family, lots of congregation members, friends, strangers, lots of other people, because I've learned, I've learned how to pray the word. I've learned how to speak God's word, and it doesn't return void, accomplish that which he pleases. First Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins, his own body on the tree. You know, anybody in the whole world that's a born-again Christian, no matter what denomination they are, or what kind of church they go to, if they're true born-again Christians, everybody believes this part of the verse, that Jesus took our sins on the cross. Amen? Everybody believes that. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, and all Christians know they should live right. He said, should live under righteousness. And then he says, by whose stripes ye were healed. By his stripes ye were healed. Well, if you believe the first part, they took your sins. Why not go all the way and take the rest of it? By his stripes ye were healed. And so what I'm praying for people, whether it's in my prayer line, for myself, for family members... Because he said, if my words abide in you, ask what you'll be done unto you. It's just real simple. Father, I want to thank you in the name of Jesus. That this person's in my prayer line right now. Your word says, Matthew 8, 17, you already took their infirmities and bear their sicknesses. Lord, I want to thank you. Your word says, 1 Peter 2, 24, that by your stripes, she was already healed. And so I'm enforcing Satan's defeat. I'm saying, right now, Satan, take your hands off this child of God in the name of Jesus. And Lord, your word says, in Mark 16, lay hands on the sick in your name, they shall recover. So right now, I'm enforcing Satan's defeat in the name of Jesus. I'm laying hands on this believer, thanking you, Father, that your word's working right here. That you said they shall recover, so they're recovering right now in the name of Jesus. And everything I prayed there was some kind of goofy religious praying, that Jesus said, my words abide in you. If you ask anything according to his will, he heareth you. His word shall not return void. Accomplish that which he pleases. So that there is called answered prayer. That's how you get prayer fruit. But there's one more verse I want to look at, because this is a present day testimony from yesterday. Look at Malachi chapter 3. Talking about the word of God in our prayer life. Malachi chapter 3. I praise God that his word doesn't return void, that it really does work. That when Jesus said, our Father gets glory, will we bear much prayer fruit? Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, he tells us to bring our tithes into the storehouse, live under open windows. But I want you to notice verse 11. Malachi 3, verse 11, he said this. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast a fruit for the time of the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be the lights of land, saith the Lord of hosts. That Lord of hosts means lords of battle, lord of battles. And God said, if you're a tither, he'll protect your stuff. If you're a tither, 
he will rebuke the devourer. And see back the devourer, what that meant, this verse right here, this was farmers and orchard growers. People like that he was talked to, these people had vineyards and everything. The devourers were pestilence, plagues, diseases on the crops, and things that would destroy their crops. And God said, I'll stop the devourer from stealing your crops. That was their income. Well, for us in modern day talk, that's God said, I'll protect your stuff. Well, yesterday, we got up and had a septic tank problem. And I've had my septic tank take care of regularly. I had the guys come out and treat it for me twice a year. I mean, it's really good stuff. So we had a problem. So the septic tank guy came out, starts doing all this stuff, looking at it, septic tank, all good, doing his auger, and couldn't make nothing happen. And they worked at it for a while. And then talked about getting another contractor to come in for some big bucks to get a camera and do stuff like that, which is fine. I could have paid for it, but I'd rather have that money to give into projects for Jesus. I'd rather have spend on my family, do things I want to do with instead of getting to some contractor. And so they're giving up, getting ready to pack up. I walked back in the house and I said, Jesus, I'm a tither. I got tither's rights. And Lord, I don't want to spend my money on this contractor. I want to thank you that you said you rebuked the devourer for my sake. Lord, I want to thank you for rebuked the devourer for my sake. I don't want to spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars more, have somebody come out this, all this computer equipment, stuff like that, to look, look through my pipes and things. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you said people call me blessed because you rebuked the devourer for me. Well, I went back outside. They were packing their tools up. Then the guy turns around, comes back and says, I think I want to try a different piece of equipment. <clears throat> so he's going to take the blade off this big long cable, goes to the house and does the stuff, want to try a different blade. So he tried the different blade, and it was too big to get in there. He said, I'm going to try the little blade again. He put it in there, and all of a sudden, whoop, everything opened up and went. He said, well, I don't know what happened. It didn't work before. I said, I'll tell you exactly what happened. I prayed. Amen. <clears throat> And so, why did I tell you that? You know, if you got so much money, you just want to give it to people all the time and give all kinds of extra money away, then don't worry about that kind of praying. But if you want your car to get fixed quicker and cheaper, if you want your house repairs to be quicker and cheaper, your plumbing repairs, doctor bills, whatever it is, then start learning what God's Word says. And when you're in crisis like I was yesterday... God's word abides in you. Ask what you will. It'll leap, leap into being, become, become a fact. It was so nice to hear that toilet flush. A uh, flush and toilet never sounded more beautiful in my life. That toilet flush. But you know what? <clears throat> That's just an everyday example of how God's word works. That's called answered prayer. God gets glory. That gives me more money to take down to Peru next week when I go down to Peru. That causes things to work better. So anyway, I'm telling you right now, the things that I taught tonight are worth their weight in gold when believers get a hold of it. You pray the word, you're praying the answer. You pray in the answer, you're getting blessed. Amen. Well, let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 